Ken Ware live from the Empire of Lies, an oasis of free speech and open dialogue in the vast wasteland that is the Biden administration. I'm investigative journalist Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. Hope you had a great weekend. It is Carmine Monday. Do we have Carmine Sabian? How you doing, brother? That's a cue for you, Carmine. How are you doing? Fantastic, brother. How are you? I'm good. Do you have a nice weekend? I did, man. I got to, you know, I'm very proud of myself because I'm very not handy. And uh, I got a bookshelf together, so. That's nice. I, I recently did that, too. It's freaking hot here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's 100 degrees in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And that means it's muggy, but... It's not, there's no wildfires right outside my door. And there's 14 well, places nice. in the country with big wildfires. Do you have any wildfires in New York, Carmine? Gosh, in New Jersey? I don't think so, man. I, um, I wouldn't bet the farm on it, but I don't think so. Yeah, that's, that's good. We've got a great show for people today. Joining us in the first hour... Wait, wait, Rod, our producer, I'm spacing. Who's on in our first hour? Oh, John, John Mark Dugan. Great guest. And he's in Ukraine right now. And we're talking about the Ukraine-Russia war. Have you ever talked to John Mark Dugan, Carmine? I have not. You're in for a treat. He's a former U.S. Marine who's over in Ukraine and Russia reporting. And so he's right on the ground. And we'll bring you this great skinny. And he's American. So he's got a easily decipherable accent. Does that make sense? It, it certainly does, yes. Then in the second hour, our friend and patriot, Tyler Nixon, will be joining us. And we'll be talking about, are you f- following with rapt attention the January 6th hearings, Carmine? Honestly, I, I can't. I can't think of too many things I care less about. I've looked at a little of it, but I think you speak for many Americans with your apathy, and we'll talk about that and what the purpose of it is. Obviously, it's election propaganda. It's, of it's, course, one hundred percent. That's what this is, and it's not a hearing, really, because there aren't both sides represented fairly at this thing. Imagine if you went into court proceeding and there was only a prosecutor. You would say, what's going on? This, Right. And this, this is what it is. Right. Liz Cheney is as on the other side as any well, Democrat. To pre- yeah. To pretend that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are representing the Republicans is laughable. Right. So we'll talk about that. Among other topics, you follow the stock market as a bumpy ride, a roller coaster ride today. But the roller coaster was only going down. We'll talk about that and taking your calls 202 521 1320. Next on the backstory. So, Carmine, did, did you follow the plunge that the stock market took today? I did. Now, I think it's ironic 
that after the Democrats on Thursday focus on January 6th, and when they focus on it this morning, right in the middle of that, this morning, the stock market plunges 3.5%, is what I'm led to understand. It may have changed slightly at closing, but that's a big drop. And I think Correct. it's the stock market as as if to say, hey, dummies, pay attention. We got big economic problems. And January 6th is not anybody's problem. What say you, Carmine? I think I, I, I kind of wrote a tweet about that today. I said, if you think that you're going to win this election, if you think you're going to win the, the, the election in November based on abortion and guns and January 6th, when people can't pay their bills, listen, Lee, I don't just being honest for full disclosure. OK. I make a nice living. Inflation hasn't really affected me up until now, okay? And I, I was talking to friends of mine today who also make nice livings, and it's affecting us now, and affecting us enough that we're noticing it, okay? So if it's affecting me, what's it doing to the average nine-to-five guy making 50000 a year? What's happening to that guy? And I also point out that you're, I think you're being slightly nice. When you say it didn't affect you, you mean badly. But Correct. paying 50 yeah. bucks a gallon for gas might mean you buy one less beer or whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? It didn't change my lifestyle. It hasn't changed my lifestyle at all, is what I'm saying. Right. But that you were getting affected by gas like everybody, right? But uh, well, yeah, of course. And plus, I'm in the price of goods and services. I was just talking to my friend. I said, "So, man, I remember when pasta, okay, pasta, a gallon of uh, a gallon, a, a pound of pasta was a buck." And I'm talking a few months ago. You know, it's like two fifty now. I mean, so yes. if you are if you are a working person making forty, making fifty, making sixty thousand dollars a year. You're not single like me, okay? You got to raise a family. H how are you paying for this? And and, and I got I got to believe that come the election, you're not going to give a damn about January 6th. You're just not going to care. You care about today Jim, and what's happening to your family today. Jim, my girlfriend's done. She started to bake bread, and can, she can make a loaf of bread for you know under a buck that would cost four bucks at the grocery store. And she likes sure. doing it too. But I think more, more and more people are gonna start doing stuff like that. Do you agree? I think they're gonna have to. How else are you gonna survive, bro? Yes, it's, it's and, and did you see the news coverage on January 6th? Don't forget, January 6th, was on every network except Fox News, ABC. So when they say 20 NBC, million people watched it, well, yeah, you were everywhere. Right. You didn't give people and, a lot of options. Right. Did you see the anchors talking about it? They were actually poo-pooing the idea. You know, you can go back to caring about gas some other night. 
this is the biggest story in the world. They're saying this is democracy at risk. But it's not. Let me ask. It's not. Let me ask you a question. Was democracy at risk, Lee? Was democracy at risk the night Trump won in 2016 and there were literal riots all over the country? Not just the Capitol. All over the country. And let me point out, democracy was at risk in this election when a major newspaper, the New York Post, and people's private communication was censored about a news story involving one of the candidates' corruption. Joe Biden was clearly having meetings with his son's foreign clients. I think I, I can say it. And that was blockaded by social media and was vouched for, and it's a false story, totally false story, by 50 former intelligence officials. That is a threat to democracy. Hell yeah. Do you agree? Heck yeah, that's a, heck yeah, that's affected. That, that, that was the biggest threat to democracy. And in fact, let me say something. I think it is so, you know how some things are so horrible, you're kind of in denial about them at first. You know, yeah, when people get correct. shot and they go in shock, you know what happens. They can walk around for a couple minutes after they've been shot. I'll give shot. you an example. I hate to talk about it, but I'll give you an example. I was hit by a car. I was hit yeah. by a car. I got up. I ran to the sidewalk. Right. And because you didn't know how shock. badly you were hurt, right? Had no idea. Had no idea. And I think, you know, I think the now really picture this. The story is not minor. One of the presidential candidates was in meetings with his son and foreign clients and apparently getting kickbacks. That's what the evidence on the Biden laptop shows, right? The big Correct. guy. And everybody says, well, Hunter Biden wasn't running for president. Yes, I agree. That's not what we're worried about on the Hunter laptop. We're not worried about what Hunter right. was doing. Right. And the porn the, the and all evidence- that. The evidence, the emails, and a witness, Tony Bolinsky, that's a, a – I cannot think of a bigger story about a president in decades. That president was there's, – there's proof that the president was getting kickbacks from his son's foreign clients, right? Yeah. And I think it's so horrible – that a lot of people are still in denial about it. They, it still hasn't hit them. And that story was was buried by social media companies and 50 former intelligence officials, as well as the Democrats. Someone needs to go to jail for that. And there's not a word about that at the January 6th hearings. Let's go to, do we have that first Bill Barr clip ready? Okay, let's go. This was shameful. Bill Barr is selling the idea that this is legitimately elected president. For Bill the Barr reasons I said, what did you say? Bill Barr is a career establishment guy. He's a sellout. Yes, and aside from that, he's false. This is not a legitimately elected president. 
and it's nothing you do. You don't need to know anything about the vote totals. The fact that a story about the candidate was buried by intelligence and social media, literally. And when I say private messages, did you try to send, or am I alone in this, Carmine? Did you try to send anyone, just try to send Oh, yeah, no, email. no, no, you couldn't send it. Correct, you couldn't send it. You couldn't send it on Facebook Messenger, I know that. Yes. The link was blocked. Now that's, what kind of democracy do we have when they're hiding evidence of a crime? A crime, I say. And I'm not, Absolutely am I overstating it? Crime. No. Yes. No, of course you're not. And so let's hear Bill Barr be in denial about this. Hit it. I was somewhat demoralized because I thought, boy, if he really believes this stuff, he has, you know, lost contact with, uh, with uh, he, he's become detached from reality if he really believes this stuff. On the other hand, you know, when I went into this and would you know, tell them how crazy some of these allegations were. There was never, there was never an indication of interest in what the actual facts were. My opinion then and my opinion now is that uh, the election was not stolen by fraud. And uh, I haven't seen anything since the election that changes my mind on that, including the 2000 Mules movie. <laughs> so are you convinced now, Carmine? Bill Barr says everything was okay. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't convinced before, but hearing it from him and laughing at my friend Dinesh, that that convinces me. Now, um, among other things, have you? By the way, have you seen how that was quote debunked? Because I heard Teddy Liz Cheney say that Two Thousand Mules was debunked. So I went to look. I went to look. And the debunking basically says this. Well, we can't know for a fact that the geo-tracking was, you know, accurate. And we can't know for a fact that those people that were near those ballot boxes stuffed them. And we can't know for a fact that it affected the outcome of the election. Well, then you didn't debunk it. You didn't debunk it at all. It doesn't sound like a debunking. That sounds like a, you just don't know. You don't know is your best debunking. Because you can't prove for 100% you don't have these people on video stuffing the ballot boxes. You can't prove it. That's your debunking. That's your debunking. I think we've really, I think we've really stretched the, stretched the term debunk to its limit here. Now, what do you think would happen if all five networks, whoever, however many there are, I don't even know, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC. What if all of them had played 2,000 Mules? What do you think would be – no, I'm serious. And and allowed an open debunking session, allowed someone to answer it. What do have you think Dinesh would have been the effect? Have Dinesh come on. Dinesh has challenged Bill Barr to a debate on it. He said, if you can debunk it, let's debate it. In an open forum, let's debate it. Right. But – them giving and, and the Republicans, first off, Liz Cheney and Amikins are need to be thrown out of party. Am I right? Well, I mean they have pretty much have been, haven't they? I mean 
<laughs> they pretty much have been. Now, you say that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger – listen, they vote conservative most of the time. But you know, I hear these people like Republicans – and I'm sorry. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. I hear these Republicans like Anna Navarro. Remember Anna Navarro? Yeah. She's on The View now. She's a Republican. Yes. I'm a Republican. Jeb Bush, 20, 2016. You know, she's all Republican, right? Suddenly she, Bill Mitchell – not Bill Mitchell. I'm sorry. She and that other doofbag – what's his name? The doofus. I can't remember his name, but – all these people that made There's their so careers as conservatives, yeah, as conservatives, okay? And uh, – oh, he's always on CNN, but forget it. I'm, but they made their career as conservatives. Now, oh, yeah. Well, I want a complete ban on assault weapons. W- what Republican is this? Where are you Republican? What conservatism are you, are you part of? Well, I want to I mean, every one more position clip they have. Every position they have. About- they don't want Roe v. Wade stopped. They, they don't – all the positions they have are completely liberal. I'm a Republican. And then they bring them on CNN. Republican commentator Anna Navarro. Oh, she's against Trump and she's a Republican. Come on. Yes, it's amazing. And if they're not doing that, they're attacking Trump in a way. You and I have criticism of Trump. Sure. I don't believe in the cult of personality, but they're criticisms from the right. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. There are there, and, and there are criticisms to be had. There were things that, that he did that I was like, no, dude. I don't listen. I don't follow. The only person I follow 100% completely, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. There's no human being I follow that way. And Jesus I'm, didn't have Jared Kushner in the 12 I'm, apostles. I'm, yeah, I'm my own leader. I don't need. I, I'm led by God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. Other than that, can on I this call earth, Ju- can I I'm call him Jewish Kushner? Uh, Is that fair, Jewish Jewish Kushner? I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I mean, he's in it for himself. He, he doesn't care about Trump. Jared Iscariot. Is that fair? I have. Wow, that's wow. <laughs> that might be a little extreme, but I have my criticisms. Well, I have my criticism of him. Me too, apparently. I want to talk more about the gun measure the Republicans made sure would pass over the weekend. But first, we got one more clip. Let's play clip two with Bill Barr. What was expected to happen on election night? Right out of the box on election night, the president uh, claimed that there was major fraud underway. I mean, this happens as far as I could tell, before there was actually any potential evidence. And it seemed to be based on the dynamic that uh, that at the end of the evening, a lot of Democratic votes came in, which changed the vote counts in certain states. And that seemed to be the basis for this broad claim that there was major fraud. And I didn't think much of that because people had been talking for weeks and everyone understood for weeks that that was going to be what happened on election night. Now, do you remember everybody talking about that? I don't remember, Carmine. What was the question? Bill Barr said everybody was talking about how at the end of the night, massive amounts of Democratic votes would come in. That's what he just said. That everyone was talking about it, and everyone knew that was going to happen. 
I don't remember the discussion. Do you? I, I also do not remember the discussion. I also do not remember the discussion. I want to say this. And, I and uh, how would they know? <laughs> I want to say this, and this is important. I'm not saying voter fraud happened. I don't have the evidence of that. I want to be on the record. I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm saying there was no real investigation into it. And I want to know why there was no real investigation into it. It's not like the Democrats have a sparkling track record of not stealing elections. I mean, just ask Kennedy. And there was something suspicious. There was a lot suspicious. But for one thing, anybody who saw pre-election the size of Trump rallies and the size of Biden events, there was a marked disparity. I've got to say, what was on display in the public— Well, people will say that that doesn't equal votes, Lee, but I'm here to tell you that, I mean, okay, that doesn't equal votes, but, I mean, it shows a lot of enthusiasm one way. It's hard to believe. I mean, you could—Biden couldn't fill—and I mean this literally, if you go back and watch, Biden couldn't fill a parking lot. Right. It was marked disparity. It was not like one of them had— a big crowd, and the other one had a sort of big crowd. One of them had no crowd, and the others Correct. had Trump had huge crowds. And you may say it doesn't lead to votes, but and I'm not saying you're saying it's Carmine, but it would seem like the amount of crowds, when it's that big a difference, would be an indicator. Common right? sense does play a factor at some point, doesn't it? Not here, because <laughs> as Bill Barr said, everyone knew the Democrats were going to vote late. Lee, I'm going to step away for just a second. I'll be right back. Okay, let's go to the calls. 202-521-1320. Ingrid, what's on your mind? Well, one thing about this January 6th hearing is it's taking – attention away from the fact that Ukraine is seriously losing and admitting it now. Um, I'm not normally too too much of an alarmist about World War III, but Colonel Douglas McGregor said in an interview yesterday that he is and he he believes that it's possible that the U.S. could do something desperate and these people, they do know they're losing, and they knew, know they're not only losing the war, they, they know they're losing the uh, dollar as reserve currency. They, they know they're losing big time. And uh, <clears throat> he, McGregor was talking about Kinzinger's bill that he introduced for um, kind of a backdoor NDAA that would allow the U.S. to go to war if there was some kind of biological or chemical or nuclear attack, which he was warning opens the door for a false flag just to get the United States in the war. So he proposed that people should deluge their congressmen, their senators with phone calls and make it clear that they don't want that, just as they did back at the time when uh, Obama was going to de deliberating about uh, the red line and, and and um, attacking Syria. So 
That's so, so great calling and good point. Well, of course, we'll be talking more about what's going on on the ground in Ukraine with John Mark Dugan. Command Central, who we got? Ricky, did you say? Ritzy? Like the... Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to probably pronounce it wrong. But Ritzy, is that right? 202-521-1320. You're on the air. Go ahead. And pronounce your name for me. Hello? What are you guys talking about? Me? This is B. Yes. Um, well, I was the, the Bill Barr thing. Um, I okay. remember them talking about um, on MSNBC and CNN about like what was going to happen on election night weeks in advance. And that's so suspicious. And not only did they say that a lot of Democrat votes were going to come in right at the end of the night, but they predicted weeks in advance that then Trump would respond by calling it a um, sort of like a conspiracy or rigged election. And that really actually reminds me of certain things they're doing with Ukraine with sort of like proposing these elaborate scenarios weeks in advance. It sort of like opens the door for a false flag. Uh, and it's really odd. Also with um, the direct messaging of the, Hunter Biden stuff, Twitter stopped me from sending things related to that um, via DMs. And then when I tried to post screenshots showing how it blocked me, that's when my account got um, deleted. So it was, yeah, it was really systematic. And that's very frightening to me. And that heads into an issue where I don't think, I think in some senses, Facebook has a right in some senses to censor stories that they that they have a right not to publish something or to publish something. But as soon as it gets into restricting people's email, I think that's very dangerous. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. That's actually probably why I voted matter okay great call thank you but 202-521-1320 aaron you're on what's on your mind what well, you opened uh pointing to the markets and then it was really interesting following that because all of the names that were, you know, in as as you were developing kind of your your, your conversation for the day, all those names are connected, <laughs> and and I wanted to kind of just point to the numbers um, you were alluding to in in the, the markets today. Um, I, I didn't follow the interday, but I've I've noticed the last three days have been pretty brutal, and there's there's three gap downs, which is a significant thing. And it, it is connected into everything that we're seeing in the media and the, the January 6th and everything. <clears throat> but the interesting thing with this is the one place I go look every morning is the reverse repo operations on the New York Federal Reserve. And I've, I've mentioned this to you before. And when you look at that chart, we're now over $2 trillion a day being funneled into the system just to keep the system operating. I'm looking at the chart right now. Today was 
2.212 trillion. And and at the same time, we've got this concurrent hyperinflation, the, the, the crashing of the food supply, and what we're looking at is Weimar Germany. Uh, the the uh, Chairman uh, Powell of the Federal Reserve is saying, yeah, we're just printing money. We have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> and this, Lee, this thing is just careening out of control, and, and what we have is that dog and pony show um, – <laughs> supposed to be a, a trial of, of exactly what? And then Bill Barr? I mean, seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, jump in here and tell me what you think on this. Well, I think Bill Barr is establishing the establishment point of view. He's reiterating, and, and the focus on Trump being wrong about the election, which is what it was, even if he's correct that Trump was wrong about the election, is not part of what's being accused in January 6th. So what? If Trump was wrong, well, Hillary Clinton spending four years saying the election was stolen from her. What point did Hillary Clinton admit that Trump won fair and square? They were blaming on Russia all throughout the Trump administration. Did I miss something or am I right, Aaron? No, you haven't missed a thing. You're right over the target. And, you know, I, I, I follow attorneys and people that follow this stuff, and I've been doing this for a while, so I understand the environment. Excuse me, hang on. And, um, the, I mean, you can start with Rudy Giuliani, who I'm no fan of because his history is not exactly, you know, he doesn't have a golden track record when you go far enough back. But he does have a point. That he, you know, he wished he had this much evidence going to into any criminal trial that he he ever participated in. There, there is more than enough evidence to bring up a grand jury, um, um, get some indictments, and and get something off the ground. But you listen to somebody like Bill Barr, and there is just the common denominator is well, there's nothing to see here. And then they put on this strange. Uh, uh, performance on TV masquerading as a, a trial, and your point is right on target. They're not presenting evidence; they're just creating a, a, a story. It's it's a fiction, and and most people that have the attention span of a goldfish are just going to swallow it up and and talk to you across a, a dinner table like they know something. Although I think less and less people are buying into it, and I I, I know it's popular to say that, oh, people are just buying this. I'm seeing less and less people buying it. And even the established media, they're admitting what's going on. Now we got John Dark, great call, Aaron, thanks. We got John Mark Dugan online. Let's take a short break and Carmine, you back? Okay, let's know when Carmine comes back. Let's take a short break and then hear from John Mark Dugan from Ukraine on the backstory. We are back and on the radio in the Empire of Lies. 105.5 FM, AM 1390, 
Join now from Ukraine, from Mariupol, in fact, Jean-Marc Dugan. Hey, John, how you doing? Hello. I'm quite well. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for coming to us. Now, you're, I've mentioned, you're a former Marine, right? Yes, I am. So you understand something a lot more than I do. If I talk about anything military, it's I, I have no military experience. And but it seems to me, and speak to this from your your perspective as a veteran, it sure. seems to me when when Russia is gaining territory, they're mm-hmm. gaining it in a permanent way. They are not temporarily holding on to to ground. In in military, sometimes can you win a battle? win ground and then lose it the next day because sure you can Um, and i'm not saying that hasn't happened uh because everything's a strategy sometimes you want to win something and then pull back um like when you see they came in over the north and they went close to kiev and then they come back um uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people say, well, Russia retreated on that, but uh, I don't believe that's actually the case because when you when you look at this strategy, it it acted – they had to kind of redirect their forces. They pulled a bunch of guys off the west, and they directed them to the north, and then all of a sudden Russia's gone. Well, where the hell is Russia? Ah, because Russia's fighting to the west again, and um, – you know, this is not a checkers game. This is a chess game. And the West is excellent with playing checkers, but they're not good in playing chess. Because I've seen the Western media, when they cover even Russia's victories, they say, well, it's taking too long. And they're going too slow. It does not seem to me that Russia, it seems to me that long term, they're holding on to land. And for instance, you're Mariupol. Is there any threat that Russia will retake Mariupol? Absolutely. Uh, you mean that Ukraine will take Mariupol, retake Mariupol? There's no threat whatsoever. Yeah, I misspoke. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's no threat whatsoever. Um, in fact, usually when we go to a hostile area, we have to wear these um, these um, uh, flak, these uh, bulletproof vests and helmets. Dude, we were in Azovstal today. Um, without any of that. So, you know, it's, um, but, but, but I, I think you're not looking at it necessarily properly in the fact that, you know, sometimes you want to give up ground as a misdirection. Now, um, I, 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 and of course, I don't have any, I don't have any insider knowledge of as far as the Russian military goes. But if if I look at it from a strategy point of view, um, Russia's done everything right, and the fact that they're not going fast, that just means they're not using the American doctrine of just bombing everybody. Um, they're trying to be specific and engaging their military targets and trying to save as many civilians as possible. Now, and now, so you're in Mariupol. What is it like? Describe to us what life is like in Mariupol at this point. 
because uh, everyone's seen great. the photos of how destroyed the city was and took a lot yeah, of damage. It, yeah, it it is not good. I mean, I mean, there's no question about it. Um, the the quality of life in Mariupol right now is absolutely terrible. But you know, it's it's not because of uh, it, it's not because of anything that Russia has done necessarily. Um, you know, you got to remember that that the whole Donetsk Republic they they um, they had an independent election back in 2014. They wanted their independence. They wanted to split from Ukraine. Now, this is no different than, say, if the people from California said, you know what? Our views are too radical from um, from the people in the center of uh, the United States. Uh, we want to secede from the Union. And there's actually been a lot of talk about this. So it's not like it's very different from that. This is exactly what people of the Donbass territory uh, wanted. Their views are very different different from um, the views of the typical Ukrainian views. I mean, they are Russian people. They speak Russian. They have Russian traditions. Um, and in fact, uh, all of Donbass actually used to be a Russian territory back before uh, was it the revolution. I, I, I can't exactly remember when uh, – when when the uh, the borders re, were redrawn, but um, that was initially Russian territory, and these people are tr- traditionally Russian. So um, you know they they have their views, and they they uh, they don't want to be a part of Ukraine. because Ukraine has been for lack of a better word, mean to them, right? Ukraine, yeah, Ukraine has been, they, they've been awful to them. And, and in fact, there's the new law passed. Uh, well, I don't know how new it is, but it, it, at least within the last couple of years, it, you know, it, it gives these Ukrainian uh, police officers carte blanche just to beat people, like brutalize them if they don't uh, speak Ukrainian, if they're speaking Russian. Now, before we move on to Severodonetsk, and which is where a lot of the battles seem to be going on, is do we have Carmine? Okay, so no Carmine yet. So let's mm-hmm. talk about Severodonetsk. Explain yeah. what that region is, and is that seem to be the center of the conflict now between Russia and Ukraine? I don't know if it's the center of the conflict, but uh, it it sure is a hot spot. That's for sure. But you know, Russia has been pushing people, uh, pushing the Ukrainian forces further west and further west, and um, they've actually been very good at isolating people. If you look at the battle at uh, Azovstal, right? They had a massive amount of Ukrainian troops that uh, coordinated together and they tried to hold Azovstal. But what ended up happening, Russia cut it all off. And Putin, he was incredibly strategic in this, whereas he didn't want his guys to just rush in. So they held Azovstal. They they blocked any egress and um, uh, egress, And uh, they made sure that... Um, 
you know, it was a very precise operation. And what ended up happening is after, what, two months, there was a massive surrender. And uh, and I have to say, the Russian forces, they've been treating these individuals that have surrendered very well. And it's it's a very important aspect of the war because psychologically, psych- psychologically, if you know that you, if if you're going to get captured, you're going to get killed, um, then you will fight and you'll just keep fighting until your death. But if you know you're going to be captured and treated well, well, that's an entirely different story, and and that's really. You know what Russia has been doing here, and you know these um, uh, these stories. They trickle down to the other Ukrainian troops and say, "Well, you know, if you surrender, if you um, if if you surrender, or if you are captured, you're going to be treated well by the Russians. You're not going to fight as hard." Right now, the other thing that's been happening in America is the media is starting to admit that Russia is winning. And the blame game is starting. There have been stories in major media about how the U.S., even Joe Biden said it in a speech recently. He said, basically, Zelensky wouldn't listen. And now, how do you think that blame game, the U.S. blaming Ukraine for this, is going to work out long term? Well, look, you know, the U.S. controls the media. So if the if the U.S. wants to play the blame game, then ultimately the blame is going to go to Zelensky. But anybody who's actually been paying attention, they know that Zelensky has been the um, the puppet of uh, the Western um, in, intelligence agencies, and Zelensky has, to Zelensky's credit, he says he has followed his orders to the letter of what these American forces have told him to do. Now, I say to his credit, because, you know, that makes him a good soldier, but that doesn't make him a good leader. He's a terrible leader. If he was a true leader, he would have recognized what was happening, and um, he would have said, you know what, I'm not doing that, and I'm not going to kill my people, and I'm not going to let all my soldiers die a needless death. And he would have put his foot down, but he never did. He betrayed his country. He betrayed his people. And so many people has, have died because of him um, in league, in 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 cahoots with uh, these leaders in the West. And it's really – it's it's such a shame because I look at I, – and I, and I see all these people. Now, I got a little story to tell you. I, I think I told you on my last episode – I have a uh, a friend here in Ukraine. Uh, I mean, in Russia. She's from Ukraine. Her brother was fighting on the side of the Ukrainians, and he was killed at Azovstal. And she wrote me and said, "Hey, my brother, he uh, he he died fighting in Azovstal, and I'm trying to get his body back to um, Lviv, and uh, which is Western Ukraine." Can you help? And I was like, well, I don't know, but let me see. And the people here were so responsive and they were so kind. Uh, and it's just it's it's the Russian mentality. 
And uh, they absolutely did. They helped get his body back to his family so he could have a proper burial. And, um, you know, the people here, they don't want a war. The Ukrainians don't want a war. The Russian people don't want a war. Uh, but it's these damn politicians that have been pushing this on the side of America and these people like Zelensky who have betrayed his country for a few uh, – for for – 30 uh, silver coins. Um, they've really done a terrible disservice and they've killed thousands of their own people uh, just so they can make a dollar. And it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking. Well, I've also said that I think that when Russia is in charge, if, if Russia have, I'll, I'll say Kiev, for instance, if Russia takes over Kiev, I think Kiev can expect an economic renaissance because I think the Ukrainian people are hardworking and well-educated. And I think one of the tragedies of this war for eight years has been it's diverted resources that could have gone on to proving the economy in a place like Kiev. Do you think that's going to happen, that if you get rid of the war and start focusing on productive stuff, trade and industry, that we could see good times ahead for Ukraine? So, yes, absolutely. And um, anybody who's been paying attention knows that a bulk of the money that has come to Ukraine has gone to a bunch of these uh, kleptocrats, these criminal American and um, Ukrainian politicians, right? They could have, they could have been having a, an incredible uh, an, um, economic renaissance all along, but this money has been stolen by these people, and it's been laundered and it's been kicked back to the, all these politicians. Um, and we know from uh, the annexation of Crimea that Russia doesn't play this game. Now, I'm not saying that there's no corruption in Russia. I mean, there's corruption every single where you go and every single place you go. But there's a hell of a lot less of it. You know, all the money, all the money from Russia has seemed to gone into the Crimean um, economy and population. Crimea has gone from a really um, neglected place to an incredibly beautiful um, place that everybody wants to spend their time. And it's not because of the Ukrainians. It's because of r what Russia has done in that place. And I see that, uh, you know, if if there is a, uh, a at least a neutral government, but I would think maybe a pro-Russian government in uh, Kiev that they're going to uh, um, have the same fate awaiting for them as what uh, has uh, befallen uh, Crimea. And I think that it's I think that it's going to be incredibly beneficial for the people that live in uh, Ukraine. Yeah, good, good point. That's what I think, too. Well, well put, John. So John Mark Dugan, meet Carmine Sabia. He's our guest host today. Oh, hello. John Mark Dugan. Good to meet you. How goes it, my man? How goes it? How are you? Well, I'm pretty good, man. I had a very interesting day. 
Um, Haven't we all? I went to uh, As of Stall. I was in the catacombs of As of Stall today. And wow. um, yeah, yeah, I spent uh, seven, seven or eight hours there checking it, checking it out, making videos. Uh, if, if you guys know um, Graham Phillips, I spent some time with him there today. Interesting guy. Oh, that's um, neat. I said that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, yep. And then um, I came back here to Donetsk. Well, it's it's very interesting because uh, Mariupol was incredibly peaceful, but uh, I came back to Donetsk to Donetsk getting bombed uh, by the Ukrainians with their newfound um, howitzers, their one five five howitzers. So they have been. Uh, launching uh, artillery into civilian populations here in Donetsk uh, early, early this morning before I went to Azovstal when I left my hotel here in Donetsk. Uh, I went to a school that had been hit with uh, an art- artillery shell. And, um, you know, it was just a terrible thing. But uh, so, you know, when when people talk about Mediopol being so bad, well, you know, Donetsk is a gorgeous city, but they've kind of got it worse because they they're still uh, they're still taking fire from these uh, evil Ukrainians using this uh, American um, weaponry. So let me ask you this question. Go ahead. Are the Americans actually costing tens of thousands of lives by continuing something that is hopeless for the Ukrainians? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, Look, we know Ukraine is not going to come out ahead in this conflict, okay? Um, But Russia keeps feeding them and feeding them weapons. I mean, hell, today, today, uh, and I'll be posting a video on my channel. Um, I was sitting on top of a a javelin uh, and next to an American AT-4. And uh, and this was in Azovstal, and this is all weaponry provided by the American government, sure. and they know that the Ukrainians can't win. Well, I, I I don't know if they know that or not. I mean, I think they know. Frankly, it. frankly speaking, the American government has been making some incredibly bad decisions over the last two years, so. Maybe they thought that they could win, but um, I mean, it's clear, clear that they can't. And now they're playing the blame game, blaming Zelensky. I could believe that Joe Biden believes they could win because Joe Biden doesn't know that it's Monday. Joe Biden still thinks that he beat up Corn Pop in a Correct. fist fight. Yeah, Correct. yeah. This guy. I mean, he's absolutely clueless. And if anybody believes that this is a guy running the country, they're absolutely deluded. Oh, yeah, they're bonkers. There's no way. Because if he is, of course not. If he is, we're all in a whole lot of trouble. This is a guy that the (laughs) the Easter Bunny had to pull away from making bad comments. I mean, <laughs> this, this is this is the stuff of comic books. I mean, one day, one day, the story of Joe Biden is going to be the most hilarious parody that anybody's ever seen. Now, on my way from Donetsk to Mariupol today, um, me and my uh, me and my Russian colleague, 
we decided to watch Spies Like Us. Did you ever see that movie? Oh, yeah. Great movie. Yeah, dude, this is the Joe Biden administration. I mean, this is the administration to a T. Yeah, now, I John, would agree with that. Des- describe what it must have been eerie. It must have been pretty weird to be down in the catacombs in Mariupol. Was it like, what's your what one memory that you will not shake soon that you saw in the, the catacombs? The smell. The smell. You know, you know, they say that a dog, they say that a dog is effective because, you know, we smell a hamburger, but a dog smells the bread, the dog smells the lettuce, the dog smells the meat, the dog smells the pickle, right? Have you ever heard this before? Correct. Yeah. But when you're in those catacombs, you smell the blood and you smell the the urine and the defecation from the the people that were there and maybe the people that died. You smell the the cordite. You smell the explosives. You smell maybe even the fear of the people that were in there for two months getting bombed. I mean, it's 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 incredible because you're in this place and, and you can separate you can separate all these odors. And, you know, they, they, it's, it's so much more than visual because you're down in these catacombs. It's pitch black. There's no electricity down there. It's just, you know, what you have, the, the light that you have that you bring. And for me, it was my phone and, uh, some guy had a, a headlamp on. So, but the smell, you smell every, every distinct, odor and you know i mean just being in there what a terrible tragedy that these guys and and i know some uh, a lot of them were azov battalion but it's still it's a terrible tragedy that these people have suffered because of zelensky right zelensky has no intention of winning this war no this Zelensky's is one man's a puppet. Ego. It's no, it's ego. not even his ego. No, it's not his ego. Zelensky's a puppet. He's got millions of dollars in the United States, and he knows if he doesn't do what the U.S. says, he loses it all. But if he fights to the last Ukrainian and then flees, he gets to keep it, and he gets to live a nice life in the United States while the rest of his countrymen suffered a terrible, terrible tragedy. And they're making yeah, this guy a hero. Jordan. What what I've heard in Severed Donetsk is that it's a mini Mariupol in the sense that Ukrainian troops are in the Azov uh, industrial section of town and that it's like a small version, not as deep catacombs and not as many troops. But if you heard something similar and that they don't expect it to last as long, they don't expect these troops to hold out as long. Great report, however. Let's take a short break, Carmine, and then we'll come back and talk about domestic disaster and the Biden administration, all on the backstory.
And we're back and live from the Empire of Lies. This is a show that brings you free speech and a variety of opinions on a variety of subjects, as well as the best reporting on Ukraine and Russia's conflict. This is the backstory. Pretty amazing report from John A. Carmine, reporting on a smell in the Azovstal plant. And I can imagine that. It must be horrific. It sounds like a nightmare. Carmine, you, we have you. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you could hear me. Yeah, I said it sounds like hell. Yes. And uh, agreed. And coming of this hour, Patriot, Libertarian, Conservative, Tyler Nixon is joining us. Carmine, can you happen to put some bass in your voice? I was, waiting for, you to, show? I was waiting for you to ask me. This is the backstory. Very gravitasy, Carmine. So, <laughs> so I will say once again, I think as I'm not trying to be too optimistic. I think a lot of people still get the war wrong, but I think more people than ever get the war right. Do you tend to agree with me that more yeah, people than ever, as this thing goes on, people are figuring it out? Just not on American television, but yes. No, and I think who that makes look bad is the media, because it's so, somewhat coming out in American television. They they can't fool all the people all the time, so they occasionally have to kind of admit they're no longer saying. Have you noticed they're no longer saying Ukraine's winning? No, they are not. They are admitting. They are admitting that it's very unlikely that Ukraine's going to win, and it's just a matter of time. I, I mean, even CNN's admitting that now. So, yeah, and in fact, one one note I saw in a recent Prince story is they were admitting it and they're saying it's a good thing Ukraine is not being honest with the American people about how the war is really going because they said what they're saying helps us get them weapons. And that is insane if you think about it. To they admit actually that, said that? Yes. It was a quote from an expert. Wow. So let's go to the calls. 202-521-1320. Owl killer was on your mind. Oh, you know, that, that's actually kind of incredible that somebody would come out and, and admit that. But I think we almost want the war more than they do. Um, I don't think, I mean, you, you can't make up the fact that uh, Zelensky played the president on TV and all of a sudden, you know, he, he ends up actually being the president. And... I, I don't know what they I don't know why he was chosen, but he there, there's been rumors that he's been involved in some really weird videos and he may have some, you know, uh, Bohemian Grove type of stuff hanging over his head where, you know, he's done some compromising things. Um, I I just find it. You know, it, it, the fact that they're this blatant, that this is what I'm getting at, like it's such a breakdown in the just in the world of politics where people do, there's no accountability for what anybody says anymore. I mean, it's almost like yesterday's news. Um, the fact that somebody would actually come out and say, Hey, you know, we're fighting for the new world order or, Hey, this is, uh, 
the Great Reset, and there's no accountability whatsoever. Um, we just had, you know, you, you were talking about the uh, Bilderberg last, the Bilderberg meeting last week, and having the CIA, um, so the, the CIA head um, as the, steri- the head of the steering committee. Um, like, there's, there is, there, the fish rots from the head down. There's so much rot at the top that nobody can hold anybody accountable. So the, the idea that you know, it, it's going to it's like, it's going to take a, people are actually just going to have to admit to themselves like the, the grave situation that we're in, not only as a nation, but in the world. And there's going to be some, you know, we're going to have to make some sacrifices as far as, um, you we're going to have to make some personal sacrifices in our life, what we're spending our money on, you know, um, what we choose to do with our, our lives. And I, I think that's what's happened is that we've been so entertained that they don't care about what they're, what they openly say, because they people, the American people don't care though. People in the West don't care. And I, I, ju- I don't, I don't think there's a political solution to what's going on um, without some real, um, like I, I, I don't, I don't see a, I don't, I don't see a white knight coming to save us. That, that's the point I wanted to get at. Like it's going to be on the people to, to do something about it. Well, I think that's true, but one of the reasons there's not a political solution, you hinted at this, they don't seem to care about the politics. If there was anyone sane in the Democrat Party, it's obvious what to do. Carmine, you could fix. If you were in charge of the Democratic Party, you know what to do. Focus on people's actual problems, right? I like to think I would know what to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, am I necessarily a genius? I don't know, but I like to think I would know what to do. Yes, people, you know, they don't focus on people's problems, Lee, and I think that's the, the main thing, right? I mean, who who do you know, Lee, in life right now, okay? Who do you know that gives a monkey's bottom about January 6th. Well, Ivanka and Bill Barr. Ivanka seems to care, yeah. But even she doesn't care that much. I also pointed out the spectacle last Thursday was really lame. Yeah. They don't seem to be trying to convince anyone. No, like, I think... Because you know your 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 target audience already believes, you know what I mean. So you're not convincing me. You're not convincing you. You're not convincing anybody who you claim you want to get. Right? We're gonna, you know. I remember I, I was watching CNN and they're like, "Well, the Republicans, you know, on the committee, that's what's gonna tell the tale." Because you know, now that there's Republicans saying it, and I'm like. Nobody, I don't know a Republican that looks at Adam Kinzinger and says, yeah, he's on our team. Right, yeah. He represents me. No. Yeah. They picked the two most hated Republicans, and then they point to them and say, well, they don't like Trump, and they think it's going to move. And there's no effort at all to try to convince anyone. I'm convinced of this. What say you, Carmine? I agree. There's no effort to try and convince anybody because we can't be convinced. And I think the real effort is is just I think the effort really, honestly, if you want the truth, is just to if you if they can get charges against Trump, if they can get him convicted, and this is gonna be, and in my opinion, it's gonna happen, 
It's going to be the first American president in history convicted of a crime when he left, you know, when he left office. And I, I, because what are you going to, what are you going to do? You, I'm sorry, Alec Killer, go ahead. Oh, and you know something, and this is I noticed this with the original indictments for uh, the Ru- the RussiaGate indictments, whether it were George Papadopoulos, um, General Flynn, uh, Roger Stone, Paul Manafort. It's like a post-truth world, and where they are is it doesn't matter if the evidence is they just think it's the process is the punishment, and they don't care. Like you're 100 right. The fact that Roger Stone was gagged and could not defend himself while they're smearing him in the news, it's they, they do not care. It's the same thing they're doing with these uh, January 6th people that are still in jail. They don't care if the evidence is exonerating of the people. They, they don't care that there was FBI informants that were there, clearly. So some type of federal informants were there, clearly. They don't care that the doors were open from the inside. It's... It doesn't. It's like as long as we go through the process, it doesn't matter if we're right or wrong. We're still in the show, and we don't. And if if you disagree with them, what can you do? You can't do anything. So well, here's the question. You're 100 percent right because let's look at it. Okay, let's take Trump as an example. All right, the Russian collusion lie was discovered that it was that it was nonsense that it was BS. Right. Yet, if you ask your typical liberal today, Trump colluded with Russia. That's it. Well, not, not only that, but the people who did it, the evidence is to, to any normal person, the evidence is it's clear that Sussman, um, that Sussman lied. But it doesn't matter because who is going to convict them? Because they, they try them in these – they try them with these kangaroo uh, uh, courts where – I mean, the the Republicans, the fact that they recuse from anything, all they have to, all the all the uh, left wing media has to do is say, oh, you you know, uh, you, you have some beyond this, you know, you're compromised or whatever. You got to recuse yourself, and the Republican Republicans will jump out the window. And the Democrats actually have people that worked with the person on the jury. You have a judge that's appointed by uh, Bill Clinton, like it. it Way the the Democrats know how to their policies are terrible, um, but they know how to stick it to the other side. And the the, the Republicans just don't have anybody that's that cunning the same way they are. And even if it was cunning for truth, they don't have anybody that's willing to go through the fire. You're 100 percent right, my Great friend. Great call out, color. Now, Tarif, we'll get to you in one second. Well, let me point out, Carmine, the irony here. So I'm going to give you. Short two choices. What do you think is a more clear Republican victory? If Donald Trump runs, or if the Democrats make it illegal and indict Donald Trump so he can't run, so DeSantis is in his place, a, a convicted Trump and DeSantis, who do you think is a better choice? Trump or indicted Trump can't be president, but DeSantis is in there. Um, gosh, I mean, DeSantis could win. I think that strengthens. I think it actually would hurt them. Yes, that's what I'm saying. The irony is, yes, and furthermore, if they indict Trump, they make him into a martyr. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But what I'm concerned about, uh, 
Our democracy is at stake. Well, here's where our democracy is at stake. When you can start convicting and putting in jail ex-presidents, you're, you're in banana republic territory. Yes, but furthermore, a lot. some people might vote for DeSantis, and I'm not saying he's the nominee. I'm giving an example. No, I agree. But they might vote for him in the sense that he could pardon Trump, which is also true. Then if a Republican was elected, Trump, if they want to make, go ahead, make Trump a martyr. Go ahead and make my day. Just so we're getting at No, I hear you, but where are we if you could convict a former president just because you don't like him? That's that's the truth because they have no. All right, if you say the election wasn't stolen, all right, let's say everything the Democrats are saying is true. You have no proof that Trump knew that. That he didn't truly believe the election was stolen. Okay, now you take that among the fact of he also you have no proof that because it didn't happen, you have no proof that he organized with these people for those riots. So you have no proof of anything. But here's what, here's what Lee, just like Sussman, you put that in a Washington D.C. court, you could still get a conviction, and they know it. Yes, Majority of people I, from Washington D.C. Are you kidding me? No, they would win. There's no doubt. But again, I think it could backfire. I think everything the Democrats are doing could lead to a landslide for Republicans, not just this year, but in 2024. That's the irony. 202-521-1320. Tarif, what's on your mind? How you doing, Lee? How you doing, uh, Coleman Samuel? I have, um, how are you, brother? I'd like to say... How you doing? First, like they say, free joining science. I have six quick comments, and they're gonna be quick. The rubles, I mean, the um, if that thing is right, what Larry C. Johnson said about that January six with those Azov Italian people being sent in from Chalupa, then that's gonna be a, a game game changer. That's gonna change a lot of things around. The ruble is at fifty seven. The barrel of uh, Goldman Sachs predicts that the, um, a barrel of petroleum will reach 140 by this summer. The Hill uh, had came out with an article, if Russia stops the supply of a, enriched uranium to the United States, that's going to play havoc on an uh, energy star of the United States already because um, nuclear power plants count for 20% of our energy, and Russia have 40% of the Urench, uh, uranium um, um, facilities already. My last two is um, Russia has replaced Saudi Arabia to become India's second largest oil supplier, and Turkey would not compromise on the exception of Sweden and Finland to NATO. That's my own comments for today. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, good comments, Tariff. We talked about Greece on the show last week with John Kiriakou. Forgive me, Turkey or Turkey or whatever the name is now. Did you hear Turkey change their name, Carmine? This is the this is the first I'm hearing about it right now. Yeah, it's now tortilla. There you go. Speaking that of is, chalupa, that is interesting because I just ate a tortilla. Yes, but that's the new name. So I'm going to call him by the old name as long as people still know about that. But They've changed their name. And I'll tell you where else there is some news in France. Macron won the election, but he's having trouble putting together a parliament. 
And I've noticed around the world, we think people in the U.S. don't like Biden, and they don't. But I've noticed all around the world, people don't like their politicians. We see Boris Johnson, he won the vote of no confidence last week, but kind of, because he lost, he had so many votes against him that he's considered a dead man walking in the UK. Have you noticed politicians world over are increasingly unpopular? There's not seem to be too many leaders Yes. popular. Yeah, no, it's crazy. One exception is Vladimir Putin. He's very popular in Russia. But why do you think we have so many bad politicians the world over? I take a different what's, approach. What's that? I take a different approach at it. I look at it from a biblical standpoint, but you know, I think I think the end is near for this this world, my friend. I, I do. So I think that's all part of it. I think that's all part of it. I think that, look, George Carlin said, you know, you, you, you can't complain about politicians. We put them in there. I'm not so sure we put all these politicians in there, though. It seems to me that, I mean, do you really believe Macron won? You know, I mean, I have a lot of questions. That's all I'm saying. Well, there was clearly slanted for Macron. And I, I see them increasingly not getting away with it. And we we talked about last week, Bilderberg was recently in D.C. People used to think Bilderberg was a conspiracy theorist fever dream. But now everyone acknowledges that Bilderberg was real and that they're meeting in D.C. They can't deny it. So the things that were once secret and denied as complete conspiracy theories, more and more people know about. Now, I don't know where that's heading. Did you see, speaking of COVID as a conspiracy there, the CDC is coming out in favor of recommending COVID vaccinations for children, despite the fact that COVID vaccinations for children, yes, the efficacy of, what do you make of that? They want everybody vaccinated. They've said that from Jump Street. Did you see, I'll tell you what, Someone talked about. Did you see the? I don't know if you saw on CNN last night the 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 hit piece on uh, Alex Jones. No. Holy smoke! They, I mean, they they made this guy sound like the worst person on earth, bro. And the the gist of it was: don't listen to anything he says. He's crazy. Did that make you not want to listen to him? I mean, I take a lot of what he says with a grain of salt, but it didn't change my mind, no. Yeah, I think when they do those hit pieces, they recently did a hit piece on a guy named Patrick Lancaster. Patrick Lancaster does great independent reporting from Ukraine. He's been consistently right. And so, of course, they did a hit piece. I think people, when they see a hit piece, they know that the media is trying to hide something. Can you think of the last media hit piece but, they did yeah, they that did, actually protected they, you? They did one on us. CNN. But they did yes. a one-hour documentary, a one-hour Alex Jones documentary last night. Really? Bro, it was crazy. They and made him sound like the devil, but my, my fear is if you can make one man 
a demagogue because he speaks against the establishment because he gets better ratings than CNN. If you could do this to one man, yes. that seems to me like that would be a threat to democracy. Right. And of course, they didn't mention any of the stuff he's gotten right over the years. For instance, Al Killer knows he supposed to be human grove decades ago. Yeah, they didn't well, talk they about the human grove. Good? I know. I was waiting for that. They didn't say a word about the human grove. Right. Did they say anything good about Alex? Nope, not a word. Not that I heard. Now, do you know anyone who saw that piece, the hit piece on Alex Jones, who was convinced by Carmine? Anyone who said, "Well, you know, I was on the, I was on the fence about Alex Jones. Now I'm convinced." I don't really think personally, but listen, I gotta assume CNN's core audience are not a bunch of Alex Jones fans to start with. So, you know, who are you reaching? And also, they're they're trying to do that with Dinesh too. Do you agree? Dinesh D'Souza, who directed Two Thousand oh, Mules. These, these hearings, these hearings, they're trying to destroy him. Absolutely. Now, have you seen that film yet? I did I actually saw an advanced copy of it, but yes. Okay, so what did you think? Give us your mini review, Carmine. Um, I'll say this. I'm not convinced. A hundred percent, but there's compelling evidence. It should be watched at least. It should be watched and then listen to people who can try to debunk it. That's all I think. I think that, and, well, present the evidence. And when are you listening to debunking? You hinted at this earlier. Does the debunking you've heard actually make the case against the movie? No, but... It doesn't, no. And my point, though, Lee, is even bigger than that. To the people that are listening, you know, your whole life you've been saying freedom of speech, freedom of speech. Do you know what it means? Let me try and explain in layman's terms, basically, how freedom of speech is supposed to work. I make a claim. You say I'm wrong. You present evidence. I present evidence. And if my evidence beats your evidence and you can't debunk what I'm saying, then obviously I'm right. If my evidence can't beat your evidence, then obviously you're right. We don't shut the other one up and say, no, don't listen to him. He's spreading disinformation. We just debunk the disinformation and move on. Now, we say, no, 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 that's disinformation. Shut him down. Take him off the internet. Shut down his websites, off YouTube, off Twitter, off Facebook. Nobody can hear what he has to say. Well, if he's wrong, just show your evidence and debunk it. That's how it's supposed to work. Now, did you pay any attention to the controversy about Washington Post writer Dave Weigel, Carmine? I got to be honest, I did not. Okay, so I know Dave a little. I haven't talked to Dave in years, but I used to talk to Dave on occasion, and so I paid some attention. He was recently suspended without pay from the Washington Post for a month. Did you see why? No, I, I don't know anything about this. Okay, Dave Weigel, he's a political reporter for WAPO, and he was suspended for a month for retweeting a joke. Do you want to hear the joke? Oh, God, yeah, I did see that. Go ahead, yeah, I did see that. I'm sorry, go ahead. So he was retweeted for, for retweeting. He didn't even tell a joke. He just retweeted it, and I think it's a pretty good joke, actually. He said... 
all girls, it's a challenge to tell whether they're bi. And either that means sexual or polar. I think it's a pretty good one, actually. I thought it was hilarious. And if, yeah, thought, right. Yeah. It, because it's a good play name, on words. I do remember this, yes. And so what happened was another Washington Post writer, and this is what's ironic about it. I've said this before, the left eats their own. The reason he got suspended is a writer for the Washington Post found that old retweet and said, why is Washington Post not fired or suspended Dave Weigel? And she kept going on about it on Twitter. And eventually, WAPO suspended him for a month without pay. And I think it's hilarious because it shows how the, the woke culture at Washington Post takes down a Washington Post writer, one of their star reporters. I, I find that funny. What do you think, Cameron? I kind of find it poetic justice when I hear stuff like that, man. No, and it's and ironically, Dave had defended this same reporter previously because she'd been she's one of those people who talks about her trauma, and she's a survivor of abuse. Well, that's sad. Well, I suppose I need to know how heavy the abuse was before it's. Be, you know, before it's beyond the realm of, I think a lot of people, I lost a daughter. My daughter died just prior to birth. And then we were made fun of. I'm a survivor of abuse. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But I don't define myself by that. And so what I'm saying is, this the the reporter at the Washington Post who did this previously, she had been at a party and she made out with a guy. And then after the party, she attacked him publicly because she said he took advantage of her because she was too drunk to consent. Oh, jeez. Right. You see what I'm saying? Jeez. Is so that what not, really happened? Well, that's what she's saying happened. So no one knows what happened. She had some regrets about it. Yeah, that's called regrets. When I was but, a kid, I mean, oh, geez. I wouldn't, that, that's a woman. If I saw her at a party, I'd run to the other side of the room. And they wonder why they're, and, they're 50 years old. I'm still single, you think? Yes. And so it's not that I'm, there, there are some people who have had horrible abuse. And I'm, of course, sympathetic. But there are some people who claim horrible abuse. And I want to know what, their claim is before I jump to. Does that make sense? Before yeah. I jump to condemnation. Yeah. So, very interesting developments over WAPO, but the left, the woke left, is eating itself at Washington Post. Let's take a short break. When we come back, Patriot, conservative libertarian, Tyler Nixon will be joining us along with Carmine Sabia. Carmine, what's the show? This is The Backstory. 
We're back in the backstory, 105.5 FM, AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. We're joined now by news analyst, commentator, and all-around good guy, Tyler Nixon. Welcome, Tyler. Good to be with you, Lee, and Carmine, of course. I was going to say, just Lee? <laughs> That's not no, very nice. Yeah, yeah wow. Well, so I'm going to tell a story for a second, and I'm curious about whether you guys think this could happen today. This shows how the environment's changed. I was thinking about this recently. So when I was about 13, we lived in Northern California, and I was into magic. And there was a guy who owned a magic shop in the part of Northern California we lived in. And one day, I was over the guy's house, his apartment, and it was at night, and my father suddenly showed up, and I didn't know what was going on. But my father was upset, not angry, but borderline panicked, and I wasn't used to seeing my dad like that. And he told me to come down right away and get out of there. Now, a few weeks later, the magician who owned the magic shop, I saw in the paper, had been arrested for molesting a child, right? Oh, this is like the, this is now, like the, this is like the guy in the bike shop on uh, different strokes. <laughs> yes, yeah. Now, were you, that's were right. You, were, were you at this magic shop with your friend Dudley? Good. I didn't know why I was there, but obviously <laughs> my dad knew something. My, no, seriously, my dad. I I didn't ask for an explanation. Just my dad was showing up. He was upset. Get down here right now. Right now. If someone were to do that, let's say, you know, my dad was probably 45, right? If a 45-year-old, I think the atmosphere now, you'd be called a homophobe. Probably. Because my, my dad didn't have any proof. Nothing happened. But yet my dad knew something was up because he was experienced in the ways of the world. Do you think in the age of drag queen story hour and drag shows for children that someone, you know what I'm getting at? If someone were worried about their child, I think they would be accused of being a homophobe or they'd be ostracized. Are uh, parents able to- Yeah, I, say, I don't even think you'd have to go to the magic shop. They'd be bringing the uh, pedophile magician to the schools and having him do shows. <laughs> Yeah, that's the truth. No, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Pedophile story cases. hour, man. Pedophile story hour. We're we're in an age of degeneracy. Look, I have, and there, there, we're in an age. I know that there was. I know one of those. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, well, I was going to say. I mean, we're, look, we're in an age of degeneracy right now on so many fronts, and and it's coming from the same set of people. Um, I'm, it's almost shocking that these people. It's almost like to me they've become possessed or something. Because, I mean, these aren't even the Democrats of 10 years ago or the leftists. I mean, you know, look, we've no. always known we've had these communists, these diabolical, evil, uh, wicked, ill-tempered, mal, uh, you know, maleficent, whatever you want to call it, uh, misanthropes, um, you know, who were malcontents. And, and look, they've always been around, but I mean, not in the mainstream, not, not their tactics have never managed to take hold on a grand level. And now we see it just unfolding. Just, I mean, this, it's, it's, 
staggering to think about how they can build an entire uh, political identity of their party, the Democrats, around just pure lies, outright straight up lies. Not, not. Well, you, you know, you said something. You said something too that I think warrants repeating: degeneracy. They are degenerates. Yeah. I'm proud of it. And one, yeah, listen. By the way, you know, they want you to celebrate with them their degeneracy. Yeah, and and if you dare call out what you know, liars. What uh, just? I mean, there's no better. I mean, they're repulsive. They're repugnant. They're amoral. They are vicious. I, they are ruthless. And it's just all. I mean, this ball of nasty that you think, God, how could this come together? I mean, that's it, right. I mean, I. You know, I, I grasp for a term, but I have no other term but demonic. I mean, they are. This is what these people. If you were to, to define what a no, you're on right. tactics of a demon. Uh, you know, the the accusing you of their crimes or their their uh, you know their ill be their their uh, sinful behavior. Um, you know, gaslighting you, lying to everyone. You know, it's just. I mean, every sort of like nasty. Uh, it's, it's. I mean, it makes Machiavelli look like a damn altar boy. You know, the, the Machiavellian tactics of sort of power politics. Sure. We've, we've gone beyond this. These people are just, uh, they're criminals. There's no other way, two ways about it. I mean, they do, they, and you, I heard you guys talking about it. I mean, you said they don't, they don't care about evidence to the contrary. They don't care about exonerate. What, what, why would they care? They've made up the whole case against these people and they don't care about people rotting. And they, and, and what it comes down to is they don't care. They don't care about anything but power for themselves. They are megalomaniacal psychopaths, and they have somehow gained hold and gained purchase in you know the the top levels. And I, I guess it sort of propagates itself when you have this massive Leviathan superstate that has no accountability that can run around murdering people, uh, you know, from Waco to Ruby Ridge to uh, you know what have you, the to, to the war in Iraq to Afghanistan. I mean. You know, this is just like, I mean, and, and we have this elite class that puts itself above everyone else that is immune from the laws that they would, the, the worse, they're not only immune from the, the true criminal laws, such as, you know, murder, uh, whatever, uh, anything, you know, the Ten Commandment type stuff, but they're immune even from the, the vice laws and all the sort of like gotcha, catcha, uh, you know, laws, taxes and, you know, tax evasion, whatever, as Hunter Biden's a perfect example of this. You know, they're immune from that. They have no accountability to that. Um, and they just feel that they can run loose. I mean, they re literally have reached the point where I think they're somehow deities, uh, uh, you know, on earth. And look, I mean, this whole thing that, I mean, Bill Barr, as an example, is disgusting. I mean, to me, worse than even the expected repulsive Democrat criminals with their lies and their and the Adam Schiff types that is just a slithering reptile as far as I'm concerned. Um, the, you know, worse than him are the rhinos, the sellouts, the ones who are supposed to be, you know, claimed to be representing some level of, uh, you know, the Republicans, the right, whatever have you, but are just complete establishment swamp creatures. They might as well be led around on a leash by these Democrats, uh, uh, these Democrat criminals running their their Soviet style show trials. I mean, the left's tactics never they never they never really change. You could look back a hundred years to the Stalin era, to the, what Hitler did with Roland yep. Reisler and that you know that that barking judge, and it's just the same crap. Even down to the false flags, the propaganda, you know, the Goebbels uh, style, you know, the big lie. And but that, what's scary is they've refined it even further. 
you know, they've learned from the mistakes of the Hitlers and the Mao's. Well, not, Mao made any mistakes. I mean, in terms of, you know, his being just perfect autocratic uh, monster. Um, but, you know, certainly from Stalin and, and, and them. And, they, and they've got these massive intelligence and technological capabilities at their disposal. And it's really it's, I, you know, I like to think we can somehow reason our way out of it. But we're dealing with people who are literally willing to railroad and murder innocent people. So where do you go from there? I don't see how it doesn't become physical and it doesn't come down to you're not taking our guns. And if you want to send in your shock troops and think you have the upper hand, you have to live in this world, too. And your children have to live in this world. And you're, there's no there's not enough caves or, uh, you know, escapes or redoubts for all of you people to uh you know, squirrel yourselves away to to cravenly uh, withdrawal to uh, to protect yourselves in the end. But, you know, I don't know. We're dealing with like on that demonic level. They don't care. They would rather burn this entire country down. I like that you're talking about that. I like that you're talking about that because I think this is a spiritual war. Yeah, I think this is a spiritual war. I think that Armageddon, this is 100 percent a spiritual war. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and you hate to cast it in those terms because you think we're a secular you know, our government and these affairs of state should be secular. But I'm not. I mean, I'm not secular. Well, I mean, I think we've 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 managed to have a tradition which, you know, we we had separation of church and state, but we didn't have the ex- exclusion of God from, you know, the higher power. Uh, There's a big difference. Yeah, exactly. There's a big difference. What yeah. we're dealing with, not just, it used to be atheistic, uh, you know, and, and if not anti-theist, uh, secularists, you know, ex so-called academics, you know, the, the sort of pointy headed intellectual establishment types. No, now we're dealing with people who are actively, in my view, anti-Christian and are frank Satanists, mm-hmm. Luciferians, and if not, yes, valid, certainly in their actions. I unfortunately agree. Yeah. Bill Barr, uh, let me just, you know, I'll, I hate that I agree. Uh, I'll say about Bill Barr. I heard his, uh, I heard his, his sort of, I mean, if you want to talk about just the ultimate sleazy, slithering, bushy CIA, uh, you know, whatever, you know, roly poly, the roly poly sort of, you know, egghead looking, um, demeanor to him to, to, to disarm you from thinking that this guy is a complete backstabbing, ruthless swamp creature. Bill Barr is your man. I mean, his testimony first of all he did not address a single and you know like we're supposed to just accept the uh word of in other words they never address the substance of the vote fraud of the allegations no they never they just say oh oh we looked at that and that was nonsense and that was that was frankly and that was you know bill no offense but i'm not taking your word for it bud i mean you know why don't you go through the actual and then one of them actually did go through it and he lied his face off he said, we looked into one of these other, you know, lawyers types. I mean, you cannot, I mean, swear to God, my, my profession, I mean, it's not even my profession, frankly, my, that's not my calling. These attorneys, they are the worst. I mean, they're like politicians without, I mean, I don't know, I can't say without souls because the pop, well, why do you think- but I mean, the fact that this one, one attorney who was supposed to be working on Trump's behalf said, we looked into whether there was double ballot, uh, whether they were stuffing these same ballots through the machines. And there was just nothing to that. That is Bull, you know, bull, you know what, because I witnessed with my own eyes the video of these two uh, women in Atlanta, the mother-daughter team, literally taking from 
I saw it taking yeah. from one end of the machine and putting it back into the other. I saw it. So that that man is a god. You know what? A should be god. You know what? Liar. And this is this is the council that's. You know, we're supposed to take Bill Barr, who had nothing but contempt for Trump. We're supposed to listen to him and his uh, sort of, you know, sitting there smugly like, oh, you know, I talked to Jared. He seemed like a reasonable guy. It's the old, oh, the reasonable people, the adults in the room kind of thing, which is just code talk for we're a bunch of damn. Oh, I hate when they start saying they're adults in the room. Yeah, that's the code talk. Now, at the risk of the great town of Nixon having an aneurysm, let's play another clip. This is a, a clip of a Trump advisor being told what's what. Play it. Let's watch a short clip of President Trump speaking after he received that information from his campaign advisors. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at 4 o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. So when former President Trump said that, it contradicted what his advisors had warned would happen. We all know that mail-in ballots played an important role in the 2020 election. However, President Trump continuously discouraged mail-in voting. Mr. Stepien was so concerned about the president's position on mail-in voting that in the summer of 2020, he met with President Trump, uh, along with House Minority Leader uh, Kevin McCarthy. Let's play clip four. Meeting uh, that was had, um, in particular, um, I invited uh, Kevin McCarthy to join the meeting, uh, he being of like mind on, on the issue uh, with me, um, in which we made our case. For for why we believed mail-in balloting, mail-in voting, um, not to be a bad thing for his campaign. Um, but um, you know, the president's mind was 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 made up, and he understands um, you know how many times to you know go to the well on a particular topic. Yeah, I understand. Tell me a little bit more about the argument that you and Mr. McCarthy made to the president in that meeting as to why it wasn't a bad thing that mail-in voting was available. Largely, two pillars to that argument, both of which I've uh, previously mentioned. One, you know, leaving a good deal of a chance, uh, pushing or uh, urging your voters to vote fully on Election Day, leaves a lot to chance, um, that's, that's A. And B, uh, also previously mentioned, um, the fact that the Trump campaign, the Republican National Committee, the Republican Party, had an advantage of, of, of grassroots workers and volunteers on the ground that would allow um, you know, an, an advantage to enhance return rates of, of ballots that were mailed. Those were the two yeah, pillars of the argument. Now, Tyler, this is really the kind of what I was talking about. At the beginning, what I was talking about was basically, I think things are being done to render people defenseless. Saying, no, you're not allowed to think about that. You're not allowed to be worried about that. You're not allowed to raise a concern. Isn't this about rendering Americans defenseless against and 
making them accept the idea that there's nothing suspicious. Are mail-in ballots more prone to fraud, obviously? Oh, my God. I mean, to call these people worms, first of all, these these lawyers testifying is, is an, an insult to, the, to, to that, you know, to that whatever the species is that, that constitutes the earthworm. I mean, these people are lower than lower than pot scum. And they, they really they really are in the vein of the John Dean sort of like faithless, uh, you know, uh, just like craven so-called advocate who really just undermines is willing to kneecap their client. Uh, and 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 in order to get curry favor with whatever mob is in uh, you know has has decided to power move against their boss or against their client, um, and that being said, yes, absolutely. I mean, the whole thing is about shouting you down. I mean, from the beginning, first of all, why would they have to announce it's the most secure election? That there's that that is first of all, what's the metric for that? You know, second of all, who? I mean, why would you need to announce that? To me, they would have all they would have to do if it was truly the most secure election is sit back and let the cards fall where they may. But no, they had to rig it and they had to make you a seditionist. They had to make you a crazy conspiracy theorist if you dared even question the integrity or or, or the means used. I mean, mail-in ballots and frankly, uh, anything that's not in person should have triple the security measures of going in person. I mean, you should have all kinds of security measures on that. They have less. They have fewer. It's easier to vote without any ID, without any verification of anything by just, you know, grabbing a piece of paper, mailing it to them. I mean, literally, this is having elections, supposedly democratic elections by, you know, suggestion box. I mean, with that level of security, these people want us to say, well, you know, the Democrat, you know, I mean, their umbrage, their high dudgeon is just so beyond pathetically laughable that they would act as though. No, we would never. Oh, my Lord, the Democrats engaging in vote fraud. Oh, heaven forfend. I mean, give me a break. These people are they are just I mean, they have perfected evil, frankly, on the face of this earth, you know, short of like literally exterminating people when it comes to being the most diabolical, insidious, self-dealing. Uh, just manipulative liars that you can even conceive of that, like I said, would make Machiavelli blush. These people are it. And, you know, they're, and as I've said before, they're not going to be stopped until they are, they're not going to stop until they're stopped. And I think the only thing we can do is hope that we've got to hold to some level. I mean, that, you know, the jig is up as far as they're running ballot mules everywhere. And, you know, Bill Barr, for Bill Barr to say, you know, you could clearly see this man is just, the one question that wasn't asked about his, you know, Dinesh D'Souza and 2000 mules of, of Bill Barr, which should be asked, did you actually watch the movie? Did you actually watch it? Because he said, well, first of all, the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, these cell phone things are blah, 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 you know, and then they already had debunked that, that argument against it because of the, you know, the proximity they know exactly. And these people were in serial. I mean, it, it, it would be, you know, they said, oh, you know, he said that the claim that, Oh, our truck drove by there every day. And that was, excuse me, bull spit. Because, you know, this is, this is like, saying, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. You can't say it, but Bill Barr can say it. Right. Well, well, okay. So, so real quick, just to, right. just to finish that point. Then he says, oh, and uh, the visual evidence, I just didn't find that compelling. Are you kidding me? There is visual evidence from Georgia of people 
having multiple ballots in their hands with masks on and stuffing them into ballot boxes. That by definition is illegal in Georgia. You cannot hold someone else's ballot, period. I mean, you cannot do that. Maybe the close family member, but stuffing multiple ballots, that is a prima facie crime. And this clown who claims he was attorney general should know better. And if he'd watched the movie instead of just spouting off on it and laughing it off, because they don't want to see the evidence. You know, a guy like Barr, uh, you know, in his deep heart of hearts, he doesn't want to have to actually see what a freaking fraud he is and what he covered up for and how brazen it was and how obvious it was and how, how frankly, just absolutely subversive it was. But I should point out that Bill Barr was put in office by Donald Trump. Yep. Right? And I think he was put in so they could say he was put in office by Donald Trump. Isn't this a failure of Donald Trump's? How did a guy like Barr get into office? You may know someone, Connor. Yeah, well, you know, too much, too much Ivanka, too much Jared, too much, frankly, trying to suck up to the establishment and suck up to the New York Times and whoever they think, you know, Trump in his mind thinks dictates, uh, you know, which which is just, I mean, it's amazing to me, these these older guys who like think that they, they have this like, almost innate inability to realize that the New York Times, Washington Post, they are legacy, but no one believes them. No one who's like out there who has any sort of like finger on the pulse of new media and so forth. These, these, they are, all they are are the clarions of the lie. All they are are the propaganda arms of the deep state and the Democrat fascist party. And the fact that anyone would give them any credence is like any, I don't give them any more credence than I give Adam Schiff. Or frankly, Zoe Lofgren, you know, who was involved in the Watergate hearings, and they sit there with this pompous, professorial, attorney-like Socratic, and sitting there laying out their evidence that they have cherry-picked. Ninety percent of it is lies. The ten percent that's truth is totally distorted. And you know, the fact that Bill uh, that that uh, Trump has been suckered so many times, I, and you know, I frankly, I think it militates against his being president. Correct. Because he has not learned his lesson. I don't believe he has. I think he's going to still try to suck up to the same people by appointing these deep state quizlings, thinking that somehow, oh, well, they'll like me if I appoint this guy. No, he sowed the seeds of his own destruction with that. He should have had Roger Stone in there, frankly, and not, you know, the likes of Mark Meadows or whoever, what have you, name, you know, name whatever. Uh, and, Revis, and, and by who, the these way, are the attorney general. Creatures, period. The, the attorney, if the attorney general was Rudy Giuliani, we wouldn't be in this spot right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, I mean, look, I mean, but, you know, and here's something else. Here's something else. You talk about it. You talk about the establishment and kissing their butt. Because, listen, Trump wants to be loved. That's what people don't understand about Trump. He wants to be loved. And he wants The New York Times. He wants CNN to love him to say, hey, this guy's doing a good job. You know, we, we love him, too. He wants that so bad. And I think I think people fail to realize how much he wants to be loved. And I'll tell you something. You go back to kissing the establishment. But. What was Mike Pence doing as vice president? I and mean, come on, yeah. he's the anti-Trump. Oh my God! He, you know, I, I knew the fix was in when they put him in the vice presidency. I thought, good lord, you want to talk about a swamp creature or, or a, a rhino? I mean, uh, he's he's politically more conservative than your average rhino. But I mean, he would have he would have sold Trump out in two Correct. seconds at any chance he, he had. He did. And did. Now, Tyler, you're a, you're an experienced political person too. Is there anything you think people can do at the state or local level to take over the, the 
local Democratic, excuse me, to take over the local Republican Party and make sure it is not a rhino fest. Well, they're doing it. I mean, is there anything people can do? Locally? Yeah, I mean, there's people who are becoming committee men and uh, joining their local Republican committees. The problem is, is that, let's face it, it comes down to who's got the deepest pockets and who's got all the money. And, you know, just like uh, you know, this is yep. Jesus H. Jesus H. Or Jesus H. Jesus Christ was a was a poor, uh, you know, a poor preacher, basically, and a carpenter. Uh, he didn't have all the wealth of the, the Pharisees and so forth, just as in this world, the good people don't possess all the material wealth because that, the, you know, the material and temporal uh, things are of, frankly, Lucifer. I mean, Lucifer, when Jesus was tempted for the, you know, it, when he died and and he was tempted by Satan. He said, you know, look before you, all the riches of the world this can all be yours, not the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God. Although, you know, that's, that falls under God's kingdom. But I mean, and you know, this is, this is where our disadvantage is because you can get a, a wealthy so-and-so can, you know, just push their way through because let's face it, it comes down to, I hate to say these state committees, uh, they hold rigid power and they, and I know I fought them in Delaware. They have rules that will, you know, specifically exclude people who dare try to challenge them. And it's like, it takes years to do it, but I think we have, you know, we've, we were getting to the point where it's certainly in a number of States and places, uh, where the, the, the establishment sort of sits there, but they have been overwhelmed by the fact of just the energy of people that are sick of it. And Tyler Nixon, we're out of time. Great appearance as usual by Tyler Nixon, great co-hosting, by Carmen Sabia, and thanks so much to Jean-Marc Dugan from Ukraine in the first hour. We'll be back tomorrow on the show that brings you the truth behind the news, the backstory.